I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman, and what a thrill it is to be joined today by Phoebe Robinson. She's a stand-up comedian, writer, producer, and actress. She's the co-creator and co-star of the hit podcast and series of TV specials, Two Dope Queens. She's also a New York Times bestselling author whose latest essay collection is called Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. And this book is the first book out from Tiny Reparations Books, which is Phoebe's new imprint at Dutton, PRH. Phoebe. I know. Just reading that, my eyes just went like glazed over. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, It's so amazing because I remember when you were getting ready to write your first book and we were supposed to meet for coffee (laughs) to talk about how publishing works. And now Phoebe, you have your own imprint. (laughs) How does this feel? Tell me about this. I'm really excited. I'm so pumped because it's been a dream of mine since 2014. It also feels like, it feels like time has flown by so quickly. And I'm just like, I can't believe I'm in a position now where I get to publish other people. And I'm really pumped because, you know, it was so tough for me to sell my first book because, you know, people just were dismissing it and saying it's not relatable. People don't want to read books written by funny Black women, just like all the things. It was really sort of terrible. Mm -hmm. And so to now be in this place where I'm publishing like women, people of color, people from the queer community and a wide ranging sort of uh, subject matter, I feel really proud and I feel like this is such a huge responsibility that I really want to be intentional and get it right and really have this imprint do the things that I I am saying out for it to do I love this tell me what makes a tiny reparations book like what 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 are some of the qualities I I think every 
every book we acquired, I think within the first two pages, I knew. So mm. it really has to have a very strong voice and be a very specific point of view. Um, and it doesn't have to sound like me. That's like the great thing. It's like, you know, we have a, po a poetry collection on here. We have a biography about Marsha P. Johnson on the slate. We have this fantastic um, art heist uh, novel called Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee, who wrote it while she was in medical school. Do you understand yeah. that? That's nuts. <laughs> You should have her one instead of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and it's about five 20-something Chinese Americans who are hired to steal Chinese artwork from museums and bring it back to China. So of course it deals with identity, but then it has this really hooky like Ocean's Eleven energy to it. Um, so I think that it, no book has to sound like any particular way. It just has to be authentically you and have something to say. And I'm always looking for, you know, some lighter stuff too. I think we get a lot of like, here's a slavery narrative. And I'm just like, y'all, there's so much. That obviously that's a huge part of American history, but that's not the only part of American history that, you know, concerns black people. So I really want it, this imprint to be joyful and impactful and, yeah, just if you have something really smart to say, you can say it in a really cool, interesting way. I'm so interested. I love this. And tell me a little bit about reading submissions and what that's been like, because that used to be incredibly overwhelming for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot. I think what helps is that right now we're set to publish like three to five books a year. So we have my book coming out this year, the next year. It's five books in 2023, it's five books. I think eventually I would like for us to double that to like 10, maybe even go to 15, but I'm never want this imprint to be like 60 books a year. Yeah. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. um, so it's manageable. Like I'm in a, a space where if something comes in and it really sounds interesting and my editor, Amber Oliver is really excited about it. I can like, you know, wake up early or be like, okay, I guess I won't Netflix tonight. And I'll read this <laughs> instead. But usually like I know right away or if I'm like, okay, let me read the first hundred pages because it's not all the way there. But if I think there's enough like potential here where Amber could really work her magic and get it to that next level, then I'll, I'll do that. But yeah, I really, when there's stuff where we're just like, oh, the idea was great and the execution's not yeah. that great. We could kind of dip out after 60 pages and just be like, we tried and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 60. That's, that's given a lot of time actually. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> the world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. But after this past year, getting back to feeling normal takes time. As much as I've loved seeing friends and colleagues IRL again, with that excitement comes a good deal of dread. If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, you're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always offer the advice we need. Getting unbiased feedback and advice from a licensed professional can be refreshing and actually rewarding. More than 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. We all need help sometimes, and asking for support when you need it is actually a sign of strength. 
Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app and schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue with thousands of licensed therapists available to match with you. Talkspace therapists are experts in dozens of specialties. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code MARISREVIEW. That's $100 off when you use code MARISREVIEW at Talkspace.com. Tell me about the rest of the team and like how it's been to work with people in publishing who you used to work with only as an author. Yeah, I mean, my partner in this is Christine Ball, who is fantastic. And she's been really good about like, if I have any questions about anything, she is always able to give me an answer. Uh, But having her by my side is really great because she really gets the vision of the imprint. And then, you know, on the marketing publicity side, this is across the board with most publishers is majority white. And so I specifically for publishing, I wanted, I mean, for publicity, I wanted to bring on my two publicists, Brittany, who's black and Sam, who's Indian to help sort of just make sure that all the books that we have on the site are really having as much exposure as possible. Um, So that's been really helpful. And, you know, we're like a small crew and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a massive undertaking, but I think we're in a good spot and I really like what we're doing. And I really, I just want to keep getting bigger. Maybe I would love to have some like interns or something, because I just think, you know, I just think about like, publishing is so daunting to get into. And I think that if you don't have connections or you don't have the information, you don't, you financially aren't in a good enough spot to start out in publishing. It's really hard to, to make this your career path. Yeah. And as you mentioned in, in your essay collection, the hashtag publishing paid me was just a really painful, um, Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of always have a sneaky suspicion that obviously people from underrepresented groups are not getting paid what they're worth. But then when people were just sharing what they were making, you were like, oh, yeah, my suspicions were correct. And I always think people think writing is so glamorous, you know, like we're constantly underpaid. We're constantly like pushed up against deadlines. And to me, I'm going, it's so difficult to write a book under normal circumstances. And when your advance is like, like my advance for my first book was like 50,000, which is like not bad, but that's spread out over 18 months. Sure. Have to pay my agent, have to pay my manager, have to pay taxes. Yeah. By the time you get your first check. Yeah. It's like nothing. And you're like, well, I had to do all these freelance gigs in order to like survive. And I think writers... Well, I'm certainly not in a place where I can get like a livable 
advance, it makes the the writing process so much easier because your attention is not divided with like, I got to get this work so I could pay my rent. Mm -hmm. And that's taking away from writing the book of your dreams. So actual, like being able to be a writer of a book uh, as your primary mm -hmm. job is, is such a rare thing, Phoebe. Yeah. To be able to do that. Yeah. Um, do you see, I know that you also have a production company called Tiny Reparations. W mm-hmm. Will there be crossover there? Like, will you be, is this hello sunshine kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely like there to be some crossover. I think we are still in early stages, the production company. We have my conversation talk show come out. We have a couple, uh, we have like three, three shows in development right now. One's an animated series, which I never thought I would be doing, but it's That's super so cool. fun. And um, so I would definitely, I feel like we just need to establish more of a foothold in TV. And I think we'll be in a great spot to sort of adapt a book into like, you know, a limited series or a streaming movie, but that is the, the ultimate goal. Yeah. That is great. Um, so let's, let's talk about, I mean, so I haven't seen you during the whole pandemic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, one of the things that I did during, during this time that you did too, was really double down on reading as like kind of an act of survival. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like real necessary escapism. Tell me about what you read that you were into and, and, and so, I warned you about this, but um, yes. <laughs> which, what book do you wish could have been a Tiny Reparations book? Ooh, okay, so I have, I have a couple. Um, I am so obsessed with Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I really love that book. I thought it was so well done. I got the chance to just do an IG chat with her because I just like DM'd her and I was like, I just really like you. Can I just interview you on Instagram? <laughs> and she was like, great. Um, so I really love that book. Um, I really loved um, The Other Black Girl. Um, that is a really great book too. I've read that. I was like, oh, I would have loved to publish that. Mm -hmm. um, and then My Minor Feelings. I also, I read that book in a day. Yeah. yeah. So those are the three. I know I cheated. I should have just said one, but I, I gave you three. <laughs> Extra credit there. <laughs> and, and so now let's talk about the, the actual essays in, in this essay collection. Um, one of the things that I found incredibly poignant was your essay about opting out of motherhood. Um, I went to a doctor couple months ago and the nurse said could you be pregnant and I said no and she said do you want to be and I said no and she said but what about your husband what does he want <laughs> and it was like do you think I hadn't consulted him yeah uh, yeah yeah that you know <clears throat> that experience right there truly crystallizes why I wanted to write this essay because I think people like us who are voluntarily child-free, people are always like, are you sure? Did you, you haven't thought about it. And it's like, you don't think we've thought about this? <laughs> you think we just woke up and just decided to make this major life decision without any sort of like, you know, contemplation. And I found that 
you know, while there are people who are supportive of people's folk, uh, of folks' decision to not have children, I think on the whole, women are judged based on whether or not they are mothers, whether or not they are good mothers. And, you know, there are people who can't have children. There are other circumstances in the choice to not have kids. And does that mean that their lives are invalid or that they're not worthy human beings or not contributing to society? And I really just wanted to write this essay to let other people who are in their mid thirties, like me, younger than me, older than me, to sort of be like, oh yeah, I feel seen. There's no need to judge women for choosing what works best for their lives. And that society needs to have more compassion and allow women to have the space to, to build the life that they want to build without you judging them for it. Yeah, thank you. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's especially clarifying um, because I think we're in a similar space where we have found the soulmate. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I always thought that like once that happened, that urge would kick in and it just never Yeah. yeah. And that's great. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing. And like, it's so hard just to find a person you want to walk through life with. So it's like, if you could do that, you know, hats off, anything else is just icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. And, and I loved, um, speaking of that, your essay about your quarantine with British Bake Off as you, as you uh -huh. refer to your partner <laughs> and, and how you ultimately managed to become best friends with, which is like a, a very specific, different kind of relationship. That, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. So he works in music um, as a tour manager and he's been doing that since he was 17. So when we met in 2017, um, he lived in Portland, but he was on the road all the time. Yeah. And so we were long distance for probably like the first 13, 14 months. And then, um, you know, we would see each other like once, every, once a month, you know, it, it would be nice and it'd be great, but it, it's, it's not the same as when you're living with someone day in, day out, because when you mm -hmm. long distance, you meet up for like a week, it's romantic. It feels like yeah. a vacation and not always like a real relationship. So to go from that to quarantining and being around each other day in, day out. We, you know, our bond deepened, you know, of course there were moments where we sort of like butted heads because as people who like to travel and move about and be independent to have to really contain yourself, I think was an adjustment. Um, but I think it really helped us like communicate more because it wasn't like, oh yeah, I have 20 minutes of FaceTime, I could chat and then I gotta go. like. We just would stay up late night sometimes talking till like two or three in the morning, just hanging out. And we really got to know each other in a, a different way. We're four years in and I'm loving it. And he's, he's the best. He's my soulmate, my best friend. It's just great. I love that. Um, it, let's, let's switch it up and talk about mm -hmm. business books for the most part. Yes. They just suck as a genre. <laughs> they're so they're so awful and so like they're very much like the the space of the old white man. That's that's mm -hmm. really four old white men. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me about it. So there's an essay in your book in which you you give um, 
some some great tips as you've become um, a boss, uh, a person who has employees, and um, and Warren Buffett really missed out on some some lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this. He's, yeah, you know, when I was like, oh, I'm going to start this production company. It's so exciting. I'll we'll have like cute office furniture and we'll just be <laughs> in pitch meetings all day. And that's what the company's going to be. And then we actually are starting a company from the ground up. It's like, no, we have to deal with overhead. We have to deal with employee health insurance. You have to deal with managing your employees and doing employee reviews and, you know, <clears throat> understanding that like, you know, the beginning, I'd be like, oh, like, I'm like the chill boss. I'm cool. Like you work for me, but you want to hang out with me. And I was like, oh, hey guys, this is like early on. It's like a Friday night. And I was like, what if we all like went bowling after work? And they were like, what? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'm the man. You don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> you want your break away from me. And just all those sort of adjustments you have to make is what I'm wanted to write about in this book because I just felt like we a lot of business books sort of paint this kind of like Cinderella sort of like just believe in yourself and work really hard and it'll all like work out for you and so many businesses don't flourish or or they close and so like let's be honest about what's going on and you know from that as a thing that I am so passionate about is like making sure you have a lawyer because <laughs> I've seen it with I've seen it with my friends where they signed a crappy contract and like, I know a comic, he did an album and he didn't have a lawyer and he signed a terrible contract and he made zero money from it. Mm. And it's just one of those things where it's like, no one should ever be taken advantage of. And I don't understand legalese. And when I first got a lawyer, he was not on retainer. I was just like, here's my tiny little bit of money. Can you read <laughs> this contract, please? I promise I will actually have a career one day. And he got me out of some, like, I never had any bad situations come wrong because he was just like, do not do this deal. This is not good. You need to understand this. And I was like, oh, whoa, thank you so much. So to me, I'm like, having someone who will protect you because I consider myself a small business owner and I feel yeah. like anyone who's a small business owner, like you need that protection because you don't have millions of dollars where like, if something happens, I'll be fine. It's like, my money is my money and I can't lose it, you know? <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do think like I, the horror stories I've been hearing lately, um, writing for digital platforms is just like a hornet's nest. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's, it's sometimes so hard because you're not getting paid that much for, uh -huh. for learning, but like, you still don't want to get taken advantage of. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I used to freelance write stuff for XO Jane and it was like $50 yeah. and, yep. you know, you do all this online writing you have to spend like three weeks trying to track down like. 500 bucks or something from all these gigs that you did and it's just not only is it demoralizing but you're just like I just want to make a living doing what I like to do and I like to write and I should be able to get paid on time and it's it's so hard for freelancers it's so so hard it's really stupid um yeah <laughs> and then Phoebe I I did I wanted to talk to you about a topic that we've been consumed with in book publishing for the last two years, say, um, 
the anti-racist reading list. Mm, yes. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it's answer to everything? World peace? <laughs> if you just read Robert D'Angelo, everything will work out. You're just like, oh my God. Oh my God, you guys. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting time because I do think a lot of those books are valuable and necessary, but I think it's very easy as I wrote about in my book to get caught up in, here's this new book. Let me highlight these things and like, I'll keep learning. I'll keep studying um, and air quotes on using the word studying, but then yeah. you're not actually applying anything, any of the things that you're learning to your actual life. And so my thing is like, yes, if you want to support authors who write this, absolutely like they are phenomenal like Ijum X Kendi is fantastic Ijoma Aluo is amazing Austin Channing Brown is great but that is not where the work should stop those are not the they're black people who write you know you know poetry novels romance YA all that stuff should be read and I think we just limit to the only sort of worthy work from the black community is stuff that's talking about pain and struggle and trauma. I think that does a disservice to all the authors out there. Um, I think it also allows people to not see black people as anything other than their life equates suffering and pain. And so for me, I'm happy that this um, category of literature exists, mm -hmm. but I do not want it to be the dominating um, topic of conversation when it comes to black authors yeah that's great and tell me Phoebe just like a little bit about are you thinking of this collection differently um as as someone who is running an imprint now um is is there something that you want this collection to represent or to to show to the world yeah, I mean, I think when you're just writing stuff for yourself, you're just like, oh, I'm just representing me. And with this book, I wanted to set the tone for the imprint and to be like, this is a taste of things to come. And, and you know, I have so many authors on the lineup for next year and 2023. So I just want to make sure that like, I kick things off well, and then that they will just like flourish and skyrocket. So that that is the plan. I love that. Thank you. Phoebe, before we go, mm -hmm. would you like to recommend some books for us? You've already recommended yes. quite a bunch, but. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. What is the name of that book? Oh, it's called, you know, I can look it up. Uh, I just started reading it on Sunday. Um, it's called Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. And, and it's like, do nothing, how to break away from overworking, overdoing, and underliving. Um, and I'm about like 30 pages in and it's sort of kind of talking about the history of like work culture and how like this notion of like being efficient um, and just filling ourselves with like sort of busy work is actually inefficient and we're less happier than we were before we were had all this technology and everything. I really like that book. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also reading um, this book called Queenie. I want to get the author's name right because she has three, three names. <laughs> um, okay. Queenie, 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 Candace Cardi Williams, which I think the BBC is developing into a, a series right now. Um, and it's just great. It's just nice to read about a young black woman making 
horrible dating decisions. And <laughs> you go, yeah, when I was in my twenties, I did some dumb stuff too. So those are the two things I'm reading right now. So a little bit of like fun and also a little bit of like, Ooh, this is how I should like reorganize my life a little bit. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Phoebe. And I'm so excited to see what tiny reparations books will be like in the future. Thank you, Maris. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.